I started praying a little while back about what God would want me to preach tonight, so this is just something that God put on my heart. Um, John chapter 13, uh, verse 1 through 15, and then, on, then we'll pray. Now before the feast of the Passover, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after he had poured the water into the basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my my head. And Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and taken his garments and was set down again, he saith unto him, Know ye what I have done unto you? Ye call me uh, Master and Lord. And ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, he also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Lord, thank you for this evening and, and thank you for this uh, local church. Uh, Lord, I just pray you'd help me to deliver the, the message you put on my heart and uh, help me to do it clearly. And I just pray that your spirit would be here and bless this night in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a few different ways that these passages can be preached. Uh, someone could talk about ministering to others or, or servitude, but specifically I want to talk tonight about meekness. Um, and I looked up, prior to coming up here, I, I looked up a few definitions from the dictionaries to see what, they, what it had to say about meekness. So uh, dictionary.com said, humbly patient or docile as under provocation from others. Another definition was, Overly submissive or compliant, spiritless, tame, which is a bad definition. Uh, Cambridge Dictionary, quiet, gentle, and not willing to argue or express your opinion in a forceful way. And probably the best one that I was able to, to, to find in Webster's 1828. Mild of temper, soft, gentle, not easily provoked or irritated, yielding, given to forbearance under injuries. And from, from reading the scriptures, I'd have to say that meekness is really knowing how sinful and weak and limited we are next to an almighty God, how holy, how powerful, and all-knowing all he is, and then thinking and acting accordingly. That's just, that's just the way I would define it. Um, if there was ever an attribute, a Christian attribute, that the world doesn't like, it's probably humility and meekness. Um, people are, in this day and age, 
They think nothing of, of speaking evil of leaders and presidents and parents and husbands and mothers and, you know, uh, even kids are taught to self-promote. Um, the Bible speaks just the opposite. Titus 3.2, to speak evil of no man, be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. But meekness isn't uh, weakness either. Meekness isn't weakness, and it's not being a doormat. And so uh, what I want to do is just look at a few examples from the scriptures to show what exactly it is and, and what it isn't. Uh, meekness kind of goes hands in hand with faith. They're kind of tied together. Um, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they, they looked to God like simple children. Well, they, they, they ate the fruit that God gave them. They didn't question anything. Uh, they didn't ask God if the fruit that was available then would be available next week. They didn't ask God if, if the Garden of Eden was irrigated. They didn't put a fence around it. Uh, it was just a simple childlike faith in God. Then along came the serpent, and he said, uh, along came the serpent and told them uh, if they took the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, he told them that they would be as gods, knowing good and evil. And there was some truth to that. Uh, they wouldn't have a knowledge of gods, the gods, good and evil, but they would have their own knowledge of good and evil. And so from that time, man will, would constantly, his flesh would develop its own ideas of right and wrong, and it will question God and uh, uh, doubt God and live apart from God. Okay? So meekness kind of fell in the Garden of Eden. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 12. can't have a discussion of meekness without talking about Moses. Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. We'll start there. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman who he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath God, hath the Lord indeed spoke only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out, and the Lord came down uh, in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches and the similitudes of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, then, were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow, and Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron spake unto Moses, 
Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. So Miriam and Moses were questioning, uh, Miriam and Aaron were questioning uh, Moses' authority, and they approached him and basically said, who made you in charge? Uh, God spoke by us also, and God punished them and, and caused Miriam uh, to have the disease of, of leprosy. And Aaron approached him and, uh, and asked him to pray to the Lord. And what did Moses do? He prayed. That was the response. He prayed right away. Right away. Uh, there was no delay. There was no sarcasm. Uh, there was no, well, let me think about it. He prayed right away with the situation. That was a meek response. A couple, cha- uh, couple chapters over, number 16. Number 16, 1 through 4. Now Korah, the son of Isaiah, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of uh, Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And next verse, when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. What do you think Moses was doing upon his face? He was praying, right? Right away. He didn't say, look what happened to Aaron and Miriam. He didn't threaten them. Right away, he fell on his face in prayer. That's a humble response. That's a humble man. And later on, we read in the chapter that he was angry, but he handled it the way the Lord would have, would, have, would have wanted him to. Okay? He handled it exactly the way... God would have had him to. And we see Moses doing this over, over and over again. Uh, in Exodus chapter 15, the children of Israel were murmuring about water. Uh, in Exodus 16, they were murmuring about food. In Exodus 17, they were murmuring about water again. In Numbers chapter 12, uh, the jealousy of Miriam and Aaron. In Numbers 14, they were murmuring out of fear. In Numbers 16, they were murmuring out of bitterness. In Numbers 17, they were murmuring out of jealousy. In Numbers 20, it was water again. And in Numbers 21, it was the food. It's amazing Moses didn't quit. Uh, it, it takes a humble man to accomplish Lord's, the Lord's work. And uh, if I had been in Moses' shoes and I was approached by Korah, I probably would have said, you've got the job. I would have packed up my tent and went back to live with Jethro. But Moses stuck it through. He stuck it through. And uh, he was a meek man. Another example, you don't have to turn here, in 2 Samuel chapter 16, David was running away from his son Absalom, who had nearly taken over the kingdom. And he was leaving with uh, his men of war and his, his henchmen. And a man called Shimei came by, and he was cursing him and throwing rocks and stones and... Um, Swearing at him, basically. And one of his men of, men of war, Abishai, asked David, says, let me take this guy's head off. 
He could have. David could have let him. This was David's response. It may be that the Lord will look upon my affliction and that the Lord will requit me the good for his cursing this day. It was a controlled response. It was meekness on the part of a king. This is, uh, let's turn to John chapter 3. This is probably my favorite example of meekness. Pick it up at verse 22. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in uh, Anon near to Salem, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. And so we have John, who uh, was the forerunner to, to Christ, to uh, prepare Israel for their Messiah. And he came, and he, he gave the message that the Lord gave him to give. And towards the end, uh, of course, people were drawing, uh, people were being drawn away to Christ and away from John. And a few of his disciples left, and, and John, he didn't care. He didn't care. He didn't care that uh, there were, Jesus was getting more followers. He only cared that God's work was getting done. He only cared that he ran his course, that he did, gave the message that God gave him to give, and, and that was enough for him. And what did, consequently, what did Jesus say about uh, John? Luke seven twenty eight. For I say unto you that among those that are born of women, there is none greater prophet. There is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Okay? God's structure, whether it's a local church, a family, a workplace, or a ministry, requires meekness. It's the lubrication that gets things done. Yeah. And we just have one more illustration and a couple more thoughts. John chapter 9. So in this chapter, there was a man who was blind and, and Jesus had healed him. And uh, he was called before the Pharisees who were uh, asked him how this happened. And, and in, in verse 24, 
uh, and then again, then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they unto him again, What did he do? How opened he thine eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore, would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spake unto Moses, As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, here is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened my eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God, and doth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And they answered and said, listen to this, they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. So here was this man who was born blind. Jesus healed him. Um, and there were many witnesses. There was no doubt about this. And, and they, they, this man was brought before them. They questioned him. And instead of thinking, well, maybe we need to think about this. Maybe we need to consider this. Maybe we need to, to pray about this. Immediately, the response was, thou wast altogether born in sins. And dost, thou, uh, dost thou teach us? They cast him out. Not a meek response. It's almost like they, they just slammed the door of salvation on themselves. God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. But meekness isn't just a response. Um, it's what, what comes out of our heart. And I remember years ago when I first started working with the kids, many, many years ago, uh, I, didn't, I didn't have a kid at the time, and I had never worked with kids, so it got off to a rough start. And a parent approached me, and they weren't happy about this. I won't give you a lot of details. This, you know, they're no longer here. Uh, but they approached me about this, and then they approached me a second time about that. And, and about the third time they approached me, uh, I, did, I responded well. But in my heart, I said, why don't you just teach the class? Why don't you spend the time to prepare? Why don't you get the resources together? You know, I didn't say that. My response was meek. It was, it was good. But the point is, is that my response was not out of a meek heart. It was self-discipline. Meekness goes diff, uh, deeper than our response. It comes from the heart. You could have, you could have a response out of self-discipline instead of out of your heart. Uh, Philippians 2.3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Too often, our response doesn't come out of a meek heart because we don't consider all that the Lord has done for us. We don't think about uh, our own, we don't spend enough time with our own relationship with God. We don't consider how good he is to us. We don't consider how much mercy we've received. We often don't consider uh, how many of our prayers are answered. We often don't consider how great his creation is. We often don't consider his promises. We don't consider his holiness. 
We don't consider Christ's meekness. All this leads uh, to a lack of meekness and humility. I remember years ago I worked with uh, a young Christian man, a good friend of mine. And one day one of the, the ladies in our department, she said, she asked him, do you think you're a great person because you go to church? And immediately he responded and he said, no, I go to church because I know I'm not a great person. It's a meek response. <clears throat> meekness isn't just, though, it's, it's not, a lot of times we think of meekness as just a response to an agitation or a, a relationship between us, but it, it goes, it, there's a meekness towards God as well. Uh, are we meek under God's chastening? Are we meek under God's will for our lives? Uh, I remember uh, when I was in the Army, I attended a church. Uh, it was the first Bible Baptist church of Lacey, Washington. And I remember uh, he wasn't there every Sunday, but there was an old gentleman who had come. And he was, he was in his mid-90s, very frail. And when he was there, the ushers would kind of help him up to the front. And uh, whenever he was there, the pastor would have him open up in prayer. And I asked my friend one day, I said, what's, what's this guy's story? You know, I, didn't, I never talked to him. What's, you know, what's his background? And he said, well, uh, when he was ready to retire, around 65, 66, the Lord called him to be a missionary. And uh, he went to language school and went off to be uh, a missionary to Japan. And he served there until he couldn't really function too well anymore, until he was 90 years old or whatever. He came back and... He's living out these last days in this church. And I often thought, ever since then, would I be meek enough to do something like that for God, if God ever called me? Okay. There's a meekness towards God. There's a meekness towards God's will. Are we me- are we, are, are, a lot of sometimes Christians will want to they'll, they'll give God something. They'll give God service or they'll give God money. They'll give God time. But they're missing the point. God wants everything. But God wants a complete sacrifice. We have to give our all. Are we meek enough to do that? Are we meek enough to give our own plans? Give a, uh, get rid of our own plans to do what God wants us to do? Meekness is the, really in God's nature. Um, we see in the Gospels that Jesus Christ was constantly pointing to the Father. John 6, 638, for I came not, for I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. You know, I and my father are one. And time and time again, we see Jesus pointing to the father and doing the will of the father. And then we see uh, the father pointing to Jesus. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Okay. Jesus pointed to the father. The father pointed to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, of course, pointing to Jesus. When you got saved, you weren't thinking of the Holy Spirit. You are thinking of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins. Chances are, if you've gotten convicted over sin, you weren't thinking about the Holy Spirit. You were thinking about Jesus Christ. And so it's almost like the Godhead are pointing to one another. Compare that to Lucifer in Isaiah chapter 14. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I, I, I. You know? 
Uh, Satan is, is the enemy of meekness. He's a king over all the children of pride. Compare that with Jesus Christ. Being found, fashion, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And I just have one more verse for you. I'm done. Ephesians 4.12, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. We're all called to meekness. We're all called to humility. Okay? And when we do that, when we submit to that, okay, we could accomplish things for the Lord. Father, I just pray that you uh, bless the rest of this night. I pray your spirit would be with us. And we thank you, Lord, for this church. In Jesus' name, amen.